Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Victorian Blob Bob podcast. I'm joined, as usual, by our good friend, Geordie. How are you going, Geordie? Hi. I'm good. I'm good. I've been uh, getting my ass handed to me in Blood Bowl 3, but otherwise, good. Mm-hmm. I have actually played a bit of Blood Bowl 3 now. It's been um, an interesting experience. I, in my experience, I tend to just, you know, you play games in sort of the open ladder, and you'll either have games where you come up against some, you know, a coach is quite new, and something goes terribly wrong for them and they and they concede and you get like you know your MVP SPP because it's turn four and they scooped and yeah. or you end up coming against some old coach and just playing out an entire game of misery so yeah yeah I've uh, had the games of misery quite mm. often uh, I was playing uh, elves at the moment uh, just regular pro elves that does sound miserable um and uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you get to the end zone and you want to you want to stall, yeah. uh, but you can't because uh, <laughs> you'll be down players by the end of the turn. Mm-hmm. So yes, oh, it's well, they don't actually have you don't get two MVPs when they scoop either, which I really think is mm. that's not how it works in the rule book, right? Which is weird because they've been it's it's not super it rule book consistent, and then they're not for like when there's a massive issue with conceding because people just concede with you you know five squares out of the end zone so you don't get SPP on that player and you don't even get free MVP yeah. it's just like yeah well <sighs> I mean if we were going by the rules uh, the player who conceded for every player that has I think three mm-hmm. or more skills there's a 50% chance they just leave your I'm team I'm not going to lie I've, I've conceded too like <clears throat> it's not yeah. fun when like this is my, my first day of playing the game I think I played like five games because four games my opponent scooped per turn two and then eventually you just get some coach who just you know rolls through your whole team because this is what every coach is doing and they're just conceding when it fails yeah. and eventually it's, it succeeds and you're like I don't yeah, want to play this mighty good, right? <laughs> I've got literally no SPP yeah, gain and now I get to just get dunked on by dwarves for the next two hours <laughs> the amount of troll slayers that have had mighty blow on two different troll slayers uh, is just too high. It's too much. Oh jeez! But you know what I did do? I just signed up for for fumble for a fumble league and been playing that and been loving it. So play fumble. Yeah, yeah, it's tempting. It's tempting. But yes, oh well. Bubble three will get better once we actually get real leagues on there. That's for sure. Correct. So let's hope for that soon. Um, Hobby-wise, so, I haven't done anything. Yeah. This is becoming a bit of a recurring <laughs> theme. <laughs> you need to get amongst. Uh, I get need amongst. to just Don't spray you have those the unpainted vampires. vampires or? <laughs> yeah. I've been really thinking about um, goblins next season for RBBL, and I like have a team and stuff. Thanks, Tony, by the way. Um, but mm. painting another team, I'm like, should I really do this? <laughs> but, uh, Look, just uh, just bring him here. I'll I'll Zenithal prime him with my airbrush. And, <laughs> and go on your way. Um, I've just uh, been repainting um, my Heartling mm-hmm. team because uh, it was the second team I ever started playing, and I painted them kind of poorly. So I I have now done their skin, and that's it. But <laughs> it's always it. nice to improve models a little bit. 
one of the best mm-hmm. things about painting has been I have actually noticed myself improve, which is very satisfying. So it so, truly is. So that is that's very nice. But yes, uh, other than that, I guess we'll get cracking. There's been a new. Well, what's on the list for tournaments? Sorry, I missed it. What's on the list oh, for yeah, upcoming yeah, yeah. tournaments? Yeah, yeah. Um, a new tournament was announced recently. It's in three weeks. Um, yeah. Risky Rollers Autumn Cup. Just Mon- Mount Waverley. Yeah, I'm just taking a look over at the rule set. It is in Mount Waverley, isn't it? Um, I did go to a Risky Rollers event last year. Um, there were a few mistakes, but they're very committed to improving, which is always good. So you can go. It was their first time using tour play, and they they made a rookie mistake. So it happens. It happens. So you know, tour play is not the best thing all the time. So, well, maybe not. Mm. No, tour play is great, but it's not always intuitive, which is uh, definitely a problem they faced. Um, Yes. So yes, definitely have a look out for that, um, because that seems to be a lot of fun. It is a NAF tournament, um, four rounds. One day, April twenty third. Also, tour play, which is nice. Tour play also added a, um, a new feature for like Turn yeah, timer? timer, and you can also add if you're playing in the league, like add on which turn things happen because it's kind of cool for um, tracking. I want to see if you turn, saw that yeah. turn out. You know, I want to judge <laughs> yeah, your blood yeah. ball skills. Um, but like, no, I. Yeah, I think I think running on top is a great idea. It's really easy. It's actually it's roster building on there is pretty pretty simple. So yeah, for sure. Um, like the the tour, the tournament rules being fully integrated oh. into tour play is like really yeah. nice. Um, speaking of rules for risky rollers, I think it's one point one five k of the hundred thousand whatever it is <laughs> uh, gold, and there's three tiers, and tier three can take one star player. Um, I think it's seven primary skills or six and a secondary. Yeah. Um, oh, tier three can take five primary and two secondary as well as a start player. There's also some great coaches I can already see going. So, yeah. Adrian, Gav, yourself, Jordy, Dazed. So, yeah. definitely some pretty pretty good coaches around that are going to be showing up. So, it's definitely a good place to... Jo- Johnny's uh, going to. Prove, prove your blood ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, other than that, yeah, that's probably about it we have in terms of new tournaments. Um, Still looking forward to Vic Country yeah, Crest? I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm actually going to be, by the time I record the next episode, I'm going to be back from Queensland, going up with the uh, Vic State team up there for that, which will be fun. Because I'm not on the team, so no stakes. Dad is. Um, I just get to play mm. in the Queensland Open, so... Hopefully we can see see what the Queenslanders are made of. Um, <laughs> but we've got, what, um, James Finnor, uh, both the... Oh, I forget their last names. Matt and Luke, both the um, Adrian brothers, uh, Dad Morker, obviously, and uh, Jono, all going up there. Oh, and Gav, Gav Griffith. So it's going to be a lot of fun going up there with that gang. Um, Hopefully we win, because otherwise, you know, you'll all complain at us that we didn't represent Victoria very well. <laughs> but 
Yes. I mean, is it really in doubt? We got some pretty pretty high caliber players in Victoria. Yeah. So. I mean, hopefully, I think we're playing for like the right to call our tournament circuit the first one. I mean, <laughs> as long as we beat New South Wales, who cares really? Like, I can I can deal with losing to Queenslanders, but losing to yeah, New South Wales that, that's not allowed. So, yes. Anyway, though, let's get cracking. We have a mm. episode all about tournament roster building today, which I think is going to be a bit of fun um, because I haven't actually seen like there's quite a few good blood bowl guides and such out there, but I haven't seen too much on tournament roster building. Um, you know, it's it's kind of something you learn just as you learn blood bowl, but I think it'd be fun to put out some basic rules, especially for people coming over. Uh, from like league play because there's a there's a couple different things that sort of happen the play style is a little bit different yeah um <clears throat> well you don't need to worry about uh apothecaries and yeah. stuff as yeah. much um, yeah and since there's no like you're not really worried about skilling up your players or like the health of your players the game style does slightly mm. change it tends to be a bit more like people tend to base up a bit more um things like mighty blow aren't as good they're still good, but they're not quite as good as they are in league play. Because team, you know, teams don't care if their players live because it's resurrection. Yeah. I guess we should explain actually what resurrection tournaments mean. Do you want to do that, Jordy? Yeah. Um, well, uh, resurrection tournaments is pretty much the default state for tournaments, where if you lose a player to any kind of casualty, uh, they'll be on the field next game, uh, regardless. Uh, you just reset to what your roster said um, at the start of your game every game. So you can still remove um, people's people's players from from you know from that game, but they just it's like every injuries yeah. are badly hurt. Um, yeah, for sure. Which is which definitely changes the way the game could be played. So we've put together a couple of rules. Now these rules definitely can be broken, um, but I think they're really good guidelines onto like. What you should be thinking about when you build a team, they're pretty universal. Um, you know, there are exceptions by team to team, but... Usually stunty teams are yes, the exception. Definitely but yeah, definitely. <laughs> exception. But, but when you're building non-stunty teams, especially, I think these rules are pretty, pretty solid, um, pretty standard things. So what's the first rule, Geordie? The first rule is block. Block is the best skill. Um, as much as I would love to say pro is the best skill, block is actually the best skill. Um, it's the reason you, you cap skills on tournaments, and um, it's it's always got to be in mind. Like if you if you don't take block and you take something else, you've always got to justify that against block. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was trying to think, well, what could we call it? Maybe Nuffles Razor. Nuffles Razor's block because it's just like. <laughs> any comparison you want to make in tournaments about if like something is worth taking or something is worth doing like even a skill or sometimes you'll be thinking about like you know would I rather have this 40k zombie or two extra players with block you know if block is 20k in that tournament it's kind of like the ultimate measuring stick because it is just the best skill in the game because it has such good um, offensive in that you can knock people over more easily. Which, you know, there's quite a lot of skills that are good offensively. Pro is actually similarly good to block offensively, funnily enough. 
and you'd have other skills yeah. say like mighty blow um, that are great offensively but it's also so good defensively which is why it's insane like when people try and hit you it's like you have dodge so yeah. so it's it's really it's really really good and like dodge is like a close second um, but it just shows like how good block is and it's kind of just like defensively yeah. it's just like having dodge which is like the second best skill so yeah and and, and block also helps with your reroll situation yeah. because if you have a bunch of guys doing blocks every turn and they don't have the skill block then you're probably going to roll doubles both yeah. down or your best dice is both down and then your turn's over unless you use that team reroll yeah and now you can't use it to pick up the ball it's that definitely simple. definitely and and i'd say in tournaments too the 10 because it's resurrection they tend to probably be a couple more blocks than they usually would be in a league game just because people don't care about the lives of their players as much so yeah, yeah block is just amazing um if we go to rule number two Rule number two is that tournaments are for the best skills in the game. So, yes, it's kind of just saying that block is the best skill again, but basically there's a couple skills that I would say, uh, if you took only these skills at tournaments, you could probably just straight up increase your win rate. Like, they're just so solid and fundamental. So those skills are block, dodge, guard, mighty blow, dirty player, sneaky git, tackle. And I put in brackets, these skills are like, Good, but they're not this quite this good. Frenzy, sidestep, stand firm, claw, wrestle, and leader. So the first six skills there, block, dodge, guard, mighty blow, dirty play, sneaky get, tackle, are just so fundamental. You know, 90% of the skills on your teams should be just these skills, usually. Um, yeah. Sure hands is... is like I would put sure hands just up a little yeah. in the list, but um, yeah, those are those are the the peak yeah. skills. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you want to be good at the block aspect of Blood Bowl, um, and you want to remove players yeah. uh, in a tournament, especially uh, block dodge guard, because those skills mm. kind of just they don't really get any worse when you have more of them. Like there's much less of a diminishing returns. Mighty Blow has definitely has quite significant diminishing returns so does dirty player yeah. um so does sure hands but block dodging yeah. guard are so good in that they they don't have diminishing returns the same it, it block and dodge especially like almost get better when all your players have them because they, then they can't target yeah. the ones that don't have those skills so you know the reason amazons is good when they have a really bad basic stat line is because they just take block and dodge which is just amazing skills um, and you know yes this is kind of boring you know I wouldn't say it's boring they definitely uh, you can definitely get a bit of flair in the skills you take after these skills but you know take other fun skills on your league play because that's generally when they're better and you can kind of have more skills to play with these skills are kind of what yeah. you want to take when you want to win a tournament yeah, for sure. If you if you go into uh, a tournament with a um, off the wall sort of play style in mind, and you you're taking other skills that are not those five um, or six, then you you really will just get checked most likely by dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and uh, yeah, that's that's messy. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that's just because the dwarves have taken tons of block and tons of guard and Star Wars. just you know beat your face because that's what they do. So yeah, uh, the third rule. This one's a bit more. While those first two are relatively simple, this one's a bit more. This one's a bit esoteric. Yeah, a bit more yeah. discussion, a bit more contentious. So. Uh, it's talking about this idea of TV on the pitch. So tournament games are won by teams which make the best use of TV on the pitch. So what does that mean, TV on the pitch? So it's basically talking about the fact that, you know, when you're spending your cash at tournaments, you can spend it on players, you can spend it on skills, you can spend it on re-rolls. Now, and inducements. And inducements. Good point. Generally... Um, the, the more cash that you can spend on players as efficiently as possible is, is what you want to do at tournaments because the players are the TV that are actually on the field. So that means kind of play 11 players because, you know, you can only have 11 players on the field. Um, it also means you probably want to take the minimum amount of re-rolls you can because basically re-rolls are just a bunch of cash. Um, that you get to spend and often can't be quite as efficient as players but we'll talk about that a bit more and also this is a really it's, it's a bit different when you're coming across from uh, leagues is take leader because leader is just a cheap re-roll um, yeah the leader on a lot of teams uh, especially teams that have passing on a primary on one of their players is just discount re-roll yeah. there are certain teams that just like improve in tournament play purely because they have like some cheap thrower um, what's really mm. funny is like Chorfs don't have any players that can get passing access <laughs> so lol Chorfs but um, yeah. get wrecked Chorfs um, I mean they have enough advantages yeah, yeah. <laughs> like on the other hand you have like Dwarves are really great and then you can just take leader on a runner who you're already taking and it's just like a super cheap reroll um, mm. so yes discussion about rerolls I've put a couple we've got a couple ideas to think about here. Do you want to kick us off discussion about rerolls, Jordy? Uh, well, you... You only... You want to take as little rerolls as you can, but most teams need at least two to function, because you're always going to fail that damn first turn pick up the ball. Yeah. <laughs> um... When it, when it came down right on the line next to a Skaven or something. Um, so you always need at least two. Um, you, you, could, you could do one, but having two is, is a nice target to aim for. Um, obviously, if you're a stunting team, you can go for a few more, but try and get that minimum. Yep. Yep. So basically, yeah, rerolls are, are interesting because you got to think about it kind of as a bit of an opportunity cost perspective. So... The first reroll is definitely like the best one because that saves you from like the double scale. It's really important. You definitely could double scale twice in a half pretty easily, or like you know double scale and fail a pickup that was really crucial. That sort of thing. So that's why two rerolls are pretty much the baseline. Um, you know, I've I've taken less in tournaments, but that was just me being stupid and pro being broken. <laughs> but um, but the, like in all seriousness, you really want two rerolls it's it's very important but yeah you you want to and and if you're if you're on a team that can pay 50k for them 
I would take three mm, of them. Mm. Uh, yes, because they get... The discussion about the next reroll gets much more interesting because yeah. the next reroll is often not going to be used for something as crucial, but it could depend on your team's play style. So, so basically in tournament play, this could be a, almost a rule in itself that sometimes in leagues you'll just greed reroll things because you might be able to murder their best player. You know, you might be able to put them on the ground and foul them out or whatever. Usually in tournaments, you know, sometimes you can have a similar situation. They might have Griff. You might really need to sack Griff and foul him out. But generally, it's not worth it when you're just, you know, blitzing Griff randomly on turn three to use a reroll trying to knock him down. That's just not really good blood ball. It is worth it, you know, if he's got the ball and it's turn seven and you're trying to sack him. But it's not worth it, you know, to just use that reroll for greedy purposes, which is kind of why two rerolls is the baseline because often the third reroll might be used for greedier things but what Geordie's saying True. is especially with teams like elves um, you can have cases where the third reroll can be useful because elves are often you know doing some crazy stretch play where they might need to use three rerolls in a turn and that 50k reroll might be worth it compared to say getting two extra block skills um, because you know they're playing the ball and it could be the difference between them scoring and the opposition scoring. Like it might be some crazy sack play. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, um, there's another thing to think about with that where, um, if you, if you have three rerolls in the bank, uh, and your, your team is traditionally not so good on defense, you might be able to do that, that four plus dodge into right next to the cage or like five plus dodge with the reroll. And then, block their ball carrier that yeah you may need to use two rerolls in this one action with this one player but now that you can use multiple rerolls a turn yeah having that in your bank once a half to go nuts it's pretty pretty good feeling yeah yeah it, it's funny because um rerolls definitely actually kind of got better in blood ball 2020 because mm. you can use multiple in a turn now so they're not like wasted um so this rule definitely is a bit less true than it was last edition. But generally in Blood Bowl, you just want to be risk-averse. So, you know, mm. generally when playing quite risky is a playstyle that needs more rerolls, you know, that's why you just want less rerolls because you want to not be being risk-averse. Unless you could be playing Elves or Stunties. They're a bit of an exception. And they're also a bit of an exception because Elves actually have 50k rerolls. Uh, lots of teams that have 70k rerolls, really taking more than two, like 70k is a lot. That's three block skills. Um, yeah. It's it's also usually um, another lineman. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, another positional, yeah. Uh, yeah. like another Soros warrior yeah. or whatever. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we touched on this before. Lead is just great because it's just a cheap reroll. Um it can depend on like the tournament rule set a little bit, how how good leader is. But the fact that some teams can take it on primaries for very little cost, you know, you might have to pay twenty K extra to get a throw up piece. And throw up piece has generally got better this edition, so you know, it's not too bad. Um, yeah, I think I think leader's definitely good. Now the other the other interesting sort of dynamic or idea with T V on the pitch is that you know, to maximize your TV that's actually on the pitch, you want to have only 11 players. Um, 
Now this is generally like good advice. If, if nothing else, I'd just say, usually you just want to have 11 players. But with that said, in tournaments, there still is the classic blood bowl aspect of attrition. And going into the second half, you know, while, while all your players come back for the next game, they can only be badly hurt, you can still remove players to win. So, and it depends on the tournament, sometimes having that 12th player, especially if you have cheap linemen, can be really valuable, especially if you're a team that fouls a bit. Yeah, yeah. having, having another one in the, the bank to, uh, to replace your, your sent-off player in the second half, um, or just if you, if you have a bunch of 8-armor linemen, 8-plus, uh, then you're probably going to lose yeah. one. And I think it's it's also a thought of being kind of... It's kind of a counter to the fact that at some tournaments, the rule set will encourage um, stacking lots of skills on certain players. So mm. what in those tournaments, often it can be really good to have a fouling strategy because if you can take out those players and you can foul them out, you can really have a massive advantage because... Yeah, you can... You can- cut their TV on yeah. pitch almost in yeah. half yeah yeah, and you can cut them you know to 10 players so it's definitely an interesting dynamic generally I'd say you know especially for your, your, your good learning blood bowl teams your dwarves your orcs well mainly your orcs and lizards especially you know 11 players is kind of the way to go but in this edition with the with the buffs the fouling sneaky git um, dirty player it definitely can be worth considering if it's a tournament where people are going to bring big star players like Griff, fouling Griff out can be one of the best things you could possibly do, and having extra players to do that with can be really handy. So, uh, our, our last kind of rule. Do you want to kind of talk about that one, Jordy? As a rule four, we kind of slipped into it a little yeah. bit, but... Um having a dedicated blitzer and a dedicated fowler and or um is almost critical in this in this version of the game um if you can get a a block piece with mighty blow or a stunty player with sneaky get and um dirty player um then you can you can not guarantee but you can increase your chances of removing one player a turn um by like 60 percent yeah yeah so yeah it's tournaments often are generally with a couple less skills than you have in in league play so generally there's not as much like if you remember back to the past editions it'd be claw palm spam which just never happened in tournaments and it's still similar here in that since it's resurrection people are less scared of that player's dying which means that Mighty Blow just inherently gets a little bit worse. So I would never really want to spam Mighty Blow. But generally, the first copy of Mighty Blow, which is the copy you can use every turn on your Blitz, is really good. You know, the second copy of Mighty Blow, you can't Blitz with two players. So they're usually not going to try and base up your Mighty Blow piece that much. Um, But the first copy of Mighty Blow is really good because, you know, removing players, you get a TV on pitch advantage. That's really handy. Generally, the second, you'd probably rather take, like, guard or something else. Yeah. Yeah, guard guard is, uh, yeah, a lot better when you're turning your one-day blocks into two. Yeah, yeah. Um, than just 
the occasional guy you get to and kill because of Mighty It Blow. also has the offensive and defensive advantage, whereas Mighty Blow, it's just an offensive skill. Yeah, and, and essentially you can use Guard multiple times in a turn because you put him next to two yeah. players and now he's helping both. Yeah. Uh, the other... This is a really interesting sort of um, dynamic that's usually occurring at Blood Bowl tournaments is Tackle. So... What, what, are, what are we thinking about tackle, Geordie? Well, yeah, you've written here uh, <laughs> that, that uh, having one tackle piece on its, ro- on its own is, um, is probably where you want to be, and the second and third tackles are... Um, like, spamming tackle is, is less, less ideal, um, but it, it really depends on what your team's weakness is, in my opinion. So if you... If you I don't have a lot of fast players then you want tackle because they're just going to run away from you if zons are just going to never touch your players until they're punching them um but yeah tackle tackle is definitely good to have one piece um i, I don't know if you disagree with that go go at me <laughs> i i'm definitely very like hard and fast you take exactly one tackle like not any more, not any less. Um, basically because tackle is... It's sometimes really, really important, right? Sometimes you'll come up against a Zon team. Now, you've got to remember, the Zons are only one of you know nearly 30 races now, but it's important. And also Elves. So Elves and Zons and um, Underworld these days and Stunties to an extent. Stunties definitely better this edition. So... And and pretty much every uh, every blitzer that has access to agility will take bl- dodge yeah. as their tournament yeah. rules. Yeah. So so definitely having one tackle is really important because otherwise blodge pieces are really going to ruin your day. But at the same time, you have this other dynamic of like you know you might just play four orc teams that tournament, and you're not only going to be super sad because you just played four orc teams. You know, tackle is just pretty much useless against them. Um, but the reason you take one tackle is because you don't want to be completely stuffed against Elves and Zons. Because um, you can blitz with your one tackle piece every turn. You know, if you have more, they're not going to be basing up your tackle piece with their dodge pieces. That's not very good play. Mm. Um, also, often that one tackle, you know, sometimes you're going to have an orc team with a blodge ball carrier because blodge ball carriers are great. So, you know having that tackle to take down the blodge ball carrier is very handy and often you really struggle to get the ball carrier down if you don't have a tackle piece but the the last and probably most important reason to only take one tackle is just if you really are worried and you think you need to take tackle just take block like just take block because block is just usually straight up better than tackle because if you think about it you're blocking a stunty right you know, you could have tackle to cancel out that dodge, or it's just a stunty piece. It doesn't have block. You could just have block yourself, and, you know, you have the exact same od- odds of knocking them down. You actually have a much better odds when you're up against some orc. Um, you yeah. just, you know, you, it's just so much better. Better defensively. That, yeah. yeah. It, it's not a, a complete counter skill, and it's useful against orcs and dwarves. It's just a lot better. Now, obviously, blodge pieces kind of break that rule a bit because you know if they have block two you can't knock them down but that's why you definitely want at least your one tackle piece 
and I, I genuinely pretty much always think two is a mistake because okay sure you might be really worried about playing Zons but you know sometimes you just got to grin and bear it because generally in this edition the teams that you're facing most are Orcs and then Lizards which are just teams that yeah. you know tackles okay I guess against Lizards but against Orcs it's pretty useless against Dwarves it's pretty useless Dwarves yeah so yeah there's a lot of chaos as well so yeah yeah, it's 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 a hard time. Um, before we move on, though, I do want to bring up um, diving tackle and tentacles. Um, I I value them a lot higher than I think a lot of other people do because if you if you are playing against one of those teams that has dodge or agility two plus um, without dodge and they're trying to run away from you all the time, uh, having a diving tackle piece or a tentacles piece is excellent for not so much breaking the cage, but you just slap it next to the cage and now they have to deal with it. I wouldn't take those skills very much, but... I wouldn't take them, but I, I'm just... No, just I, I agree rate them you. a little higher than I you agree, would. I agree, I agree, though, that there's certain teams where they're good. <laughs> there's certain teams where they're definitely good. Um, yeah. And look, if, if you're not convinced here, if you're still thinking, oh, no, I need three tackle, just play Dwarves. You know, we know you're a salty old bastard. Yeah. Just play dwarves. <laughs> you know, that, that for you. You can go play dwarves, and then you don't have to worry. You'll just dunk on the stunties all day. Um, yep. Often, as well, my alternative to tackle is frenzy. Frenzy is is really funny. I've heard it called, I think, uh, Goonhammer. If you have read any of those articles, they always call it European tackle. Um, mm. And it, it kind of is like tackle in that basically you're getting another shot to hit someone over, which actually has very similar odds as taking tackle when you're trying to knock over a dodge piece or a bludge piece. Yeah. Um, the downside, of course, of Frenzy is the fact that you have to follow up and hit them. So, you know, you can get totally Frenzy trapped. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. I, oh, what were you going to say there, Jordy? Uh, I, I was just going to bring up that uh, I rate Frenzy over Tackle against dealing with stunty teams as yeah. well, stunty players. Um, yeah, it's just so much, so much better math if you, even if you follow up into um, an assist disadvantage, yeah. you probably still have two dice. And that's the thing, cause, and that's also because stunty teams are very weak. Like, Frenzy mm. tends to be good on either really strong pieces, so like your strength four pieces tend to be really good with Frenzy. I think like um, often whereas uh, ball centaurs, like putting frenzy on these pieces is great because you get a high chance to knock them over not only, but you also have a chance to like push them around, crowd surf them. They basically just can't go within two squares of the sideline or you're gonna just push them out of bounds and get like a free removal, which you know, TV on yeah. pitch, that's huge. Um, I've become, I've really liked taking frenzy a lot recently yeah frenzy just one of on like uh, a witch elf or oh, a board yeah. answer yeah. or um it's like there's one of the reasons why corn i think is doing so well the new corn team at least um is the blood seekers with their four strength frenzy yeah. it's good i kind of feel like corn might be underrated i'm surprised we haven't seen corn do a little better at tournaments um mm. just because strength four frenzy if you ever played norse like, you learn to love ults so much. Because, you know, pretty much always they're just pushing people around. And sure, sometimes they're having to follow up into other tackle zones, but usually, since they're strength four, you can set it up in a way that you're getting two dice blocks both times. 
Um, yep. So Frenzy can be really good for just totally overwhelming teams and you know beating them up, removing their players, that sort of thing. And like you said, it's great on high movement, high agility pieces like your, your Witch Elf and your War Dancer. I think it's one of those skills that improves... Uh, um, you know, it gets even better as you get a better player. Like some really good players you watch online just use Frenzy really, really well. And so I think it's a really great skill. If you, you know, if you're thinking, oh, what if I took a second tackle? You know, I'm struggling against Els. Try out Frenzy. You'll get better at Blood Bowl. And it's just usually a good skill because, you know, you can actually use it against Orcs and Dwarfs. Yeah. During uh, during last year's Big V, I had a, a vamp with tackle and a vamp with frenzy and that felt really good yeah i've been i think that you pretty much if you're playing vamps um you should take a vamp with frenzy like definitely because it's just so amazing when you just you know gaze away sidestep and surf someone or gaze away yeah, someone and oh, walk that's through their screen and surf point. someone like it's just it's so <laughs> good <laughs> um that that's a huge point watch out for sidestep yes Sidestep will put you in the ground if you're using uh, it's Frenzy. True. So do, do and Sidestep that. is one of those skills that people will take at tournaments. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, Frenzy is just amazing. Now, the last two skills we're going to talk about here is this is uh, much more interesting because this I think has changed a bit in this edition. Um, with yeah. the, the there's basically been changes to. Um, you can argue the call now. So there's a one in six chance you just don't get sent off when you get caught fouling. Um, mm. There's way more teams that have access to 50k bribes. You know, that's part of why Underworld have been uh, buffed because they get 50k bribes yeah. like their goblins, you know. Yeah, it's, it's actually a better than one in six because of um, stunty team. Well, I say bribery and corruption teams being able to uh, automatically re-roll the one. Yeah on the argue the oh true they can too can't they basically the, the last buff which is probably the most significant to fouling is sneaky git being like an actual skill now so sneaky git used to um, oh what did it even do it was bad I have no yeah, idea yeah I, I, I can't remember <laughs> it it kind of speaks to it it was just bad it was just like don't ever take this um, yeah. what it does now though we do know is that if you roll doubles on the armor roll um you can't get sent you off cannot be sent out and you can move after you yes count. which is actually kiting people when you're fouling is actually quite um quite great too because you don't get yeah, stuck i've had my life massive ruined. thing that you just found you know pissed off yeah i've had my life ruined by a goblin sneaking out from essentially the cage stomping on my guy and then running back yeah, yeah. every time it was pretty brutal yes so sneaky git has got much better um dirty play was always pretty good but it definitely stro- it definitely like could use the bribery and corruption buff um and you know it's always been pretty solid though on cheap linemen um but the important thing here is that they're pretty much more effective than like mighty blow against high armor teams like orcs uh, lizards generally high armor teams also since claw got nerfed like um got kind of a slightly better this edition i would say um and also like leap got really nerfed so generally you will see a lot of orcs at tournaments and 
sneaky and dirty player better than Mighty Blow against them, which is really, really valuable. Um, and, like, you know, it, it's really interesting because we don't quite know just how good they are yet. It's kind of hard to tell, especially sneaky get in tournaments. But I suspect that sneaky get, especially on your stunty pieces, um, which lots of teams can, like, like, humans can just take a halfling for 30k and then give it sneaky get for 50k. And then just yeah. go to town. Like, you know, that's 50k player. You get to free foul yeah. things. What's really handy is that you can wait to see, like, what broke armor and what didn't. So if, you know, you broke armor on one guy, you know, Mighty Blow, you just have to apply if your player had it, you know, regardless. But with Sneaky Git, you can go, oh, okay, this player didn't break armor, let's go foul them. So yeah. And you, you, can, you can sort of press the advantage if... If your team works like better, if you've got more players than them, which is most teams, um, you can weigh up the value of if they're already down a player because you got lucky on that on the line, you knocked a lineman out or something. You can press the advantage with sneaky get a lot yeah. better. Yes, fouling's always been something where it gets really scary when you can just like completely snowball because usually to foul you want to be up a player or two and then just in case you know you just roll double ones and get sent off um sneaky gets great and it kind of mitigates that entirely you can just foul people randomly and you know you're only going to get sent off pretty much if you do damage to them um so that's one of the things but you're exactly right in there it's very snowbally like teams like orcs are going to try and you know put a bunch of prone players next to them and then you can just get in there and foul and you know since you can move after fouling, you can reposition in the center again. So you can get ready to foul whoever needs to be fouled with your little goblin. Mm. So, yes, that's... And it opens up, like, a whole new way of playing defense, um, I think, where, yes, they're going to move their cage up, but if you're removing a player every turn, the second half's going to suck for them. Yeah. I think um, I've actually seen, like, elves just take sneaky get over dodge. And like, Ooh, yeah, 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 which is kind of crazy. Dad's like really big on that, and I think it's definitely coming around. I've seen it rated quite highly by lots of people with Blood Bowl Three. We'll definitely start to figure out Sneaky Git more and more as you know you get more and more games played with the new Sneaky Git. I think that might be a bit much for me, but it does show. Like, I think it wouldn't surprise me if it's probably better than Mighty Blow in a decent amount of cases. It's, it's, it's really interesting that and, and Dirty Player Dirty Player I mean it didn't get buffed nearly as much but obviously it works with Sneaky Git I'm trying to think of what the cheapest yeah. GA player in the game is it might be the pro off lineman <laughs> cheapest general agility access player I think it is pro off lineman which is hilarious but yes it definitely watch out for Sneaky Git and Dirty Player um definitely worth trying a bit out of because they really did get much better this edition mm. so that's pretty much brings our our rules our guidelines basically um, the other thing though that you got to think about when you're building tournament rosters is that not all tournament rule sets are the same so there's yeah. a few different categories there's kind of two different axes I think that most tournaments tend to abide by um, the first one is just number of skills available at the tournament. 
So some tournaments offer their players like tons of skills to play with. Um, examples of this in the Victorian circuit, Gold Crush. Um, yeah, Gold Crush, Gold Crush is the lots main one. of skills to play with. And you have that big star player, um, yeah. like almost mandatory, yeah. um, that you have to have one guy with five improvements or whatever it is, five points spent on yeah. him. So um, that really makes it a lot better to have that sneaky kid dirty player. I think it's often, yes, that's a good point, which we'll get to in a sec as well. Um, yes. Awesome. But yes, Gold Crush is also great coming across from league play. It's a bit more like league play because league play tends to have quite a few more skills as well. So I think that's often quite a, a good, um, it's an easier transition. And then we have skills like uh, Nash style tournaments, which tend to have way less skills, um, like Powerball. So Powerball is going to be running using the NAF World Cup rules this year, which is great because it's good practice. Uh, mm. I know Andrew is going over there, so makes sense that he'd run a skill a tournament like that. Um, and they basically offer like way less skills. Like you only get six general skills, and you'll get even less if you try and take secondaries if you're, you know, going to um, use the World Cup rules for Tier One teams. Yeah, and and you you can't stack skills yeah. or can you stack no you can't stack once i can't yeah you can't stack so yeah, when rough. you have tournaments with less skills they tend to have certain like rules um or things that occur so you tend to have like basically um skill caps like because at these tournaments block is just the best skill um, and is often quite good when you have to play wide and can't like stack steals on players. You just want to take block on as many play- players as possible. They often have skill caps, so you can't just spam block um, or or dodge. Um, yeah. It's a very like yeah, like say like th- you can only have three players with the same skill yeah. sort of thing. That's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very like back to basic sort of blood bowl. It's your TV, you know, twelve hundred kind of style. Um, mm-hmm. And generally, star players are much, much stronger. Yes, that is that is a huge part. Sacrificing even playing some of your positionals to have just any star player is a really big aspect in those tournaments. Yes. So basically, like one of the reasons star players were totally broken at the start of this kind of edition is because you have lots of really low-skill tournaments, and then they wouldn't put a star player tax in. Um, which is why you've seen star player taxes. You know, the Big V has one. The NAF World Cup rules have one. Um, it just makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you can't stack more than one skill on players and teams can just take Griff, who's like you added <laughs> five skills to a human blitzer, like it's mm. kind of obvious why Griff is broken when you think about it like that. Um, yeah. So these tournaments tend to be, if you want to play with your new pretty star model, play at your lower skill um, tournaments um, tournaments with more skills are more like league play as we said before often there's a less need for skill caps so you know while you could just put block on every player the problem with that is that you know you still have to put three linemen on the line who are usually going to just get murdered um, and also, like, in Blood Bowl, you know, skills tend to get stronger when you can take them together. So, like, block and dodge are really strong when you can take both rather than just taking block on one player and dodge on another. That sort of thing. Star players generally weaker. 
um, which is why Gold Crush, you know, it didn't have a problem with any other star. It was just Bomber, because Bomber is just like value for money rather than Griff, yeah. who's like really hard to deal with if you don't have the, you know, the ability to deal with a strength or blodger. And you were touching on this before, Geordie, in that um, attrition strategies become way more effective at tournaments with more skills. Yeah, yeah. Taking taking just just two guys who have two to five skills between them off the field is huge. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're only taking, you know, the linemen then that they give you by basing your guys, yeah. um, then it's not it's not as good. Yes. Uh, but having that that blitzer who can go out and reach out and touch things, right? Yeah. Um, that's a huge huge big thing with gold crush yes gold crush is a lot of like um if you if you expose your star in gold crush you will get punished and often lose games just because people just take him out of the game and because it's so like valuable to do that um yeah and usually they're doing it with their good piece as well so (laughs) when i think about my good gold crush runs like when i did good with chorfs it was purely because i just like murdered that star like that was it and that's why I think um, sometimes taking more than 11 players can be good, especially at these higher, higher skill tournaments, because you're going to have more mighty blow, more dirty player. You know, block and dodge become less um, insanely powerful because there's tackle around, a bit of wrestle even. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and being mindful of teams uh, like, like Nurgle or, yes. um, or un- Undead, where you only really have two or three, maybe four ball carriers. Um, yeah. And if they get all taken out, it's very hard to score in the second half. Yeah. Yes. Now, there definitely also is just a... There's different teams that, like, Chaos, Nurgle, um, Vamps, Necro, even, mm-hmm. to an extent, I think become much better as you get more skills. Like, there's certain certain teams that that advantages, for sure, as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's another sort of spectrum you can have for tournaments which is basically sort of like how much cash you get to purchase and uh, maybe a better way to clarify is is do you purchase skills with skill points or with tv so are skills like purchased separately to players like in a separate pool or are they purchased Mm. from the same pool so yes essentially what happens is if they're purchased from the same pool um whenever you take like another re-roll it eats into the amount of skills you can take. So this is something yeah. that happens at um, Gold Crush and Big Country Quest, which is the next tournament. Um, if you buy an extra lineman, it's eating into, you know, it's literally two block that you could have taken on another player. Whereas yeah. at the NAFSA tournament, where you have a separate budget for um, cash, you can basically, um, you know, it's not the same as getting two block pieces. It's the same as maybe buying another re-roll or buying another um, another player. So... Yeah, and you've really got to weigh up that, like, how good is this positional really? Um, or could I just give alignment a skill? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so tournaments um, with, with, like, separate pools tend to enable teams with more expensive positionals to be a bit better. So this is where you see like your Wood Elves and your Necro really like um, these sorts of tournaments in that they might get 1.1 million just to spend on that team, which means they can actually get, you know, two re-rolls and all that positionals. 
um, which they couldn't at TB1000. Um, and teams with less expensive positionals might look to take stars. Well, sometimes they can be a bit of trouble because obviously, you know, taking your fourth re-roll, it's not as cost-effective as taking your second one. Um, so, but that is where stars definitely come into play. And they tend to be more common at tournaments where you have separate pools. Yeah. And yeah, tournaments where you pay TV for skills and players, cheaper teams just straight up get more skills. So, you know, dwarves get everything they want at TV 1000, so they're just getting more skills. Yay, more guard. Just what dwarves wanted. <laughs> yeah. um, it also does, to an extent, make teams more incentivized towards only 11 players, which is always interesting. You can kind of counter that by taking DP, and star players are a bit less effective. Um, so, given that... That's actually something I just thought of, is the value of sneaky git versus just paying another... I don't know what 15k for another nobbler or <laughs> whatever because uh, it's generally going to be cheaper to just have more players on the bench yeah. than players with sneaky git if you're not worried about losing them to getting sent off yeah yeah i i if you've seen me build teams i love bench players um mm. especially in the new edition you could take apothecaries a bit in the old edition but just like don't take apothecaries anymore to be honest you could there are certain teams where I think you could take them um, if you have being able to save your player from getting knocked out when it really needs yeah. to be is also pretty cool yeah. but like the fact that it's less likely like apothecaries really became when they changed the the CAS table they really became um, how you protect your players from death like from straight up dying yeah. rather than getting your players back to badly hurt and obviously, you know, players can't die in resurrection tournaments, so apothecaries are worse. Um, yeah, so before we move on, I guess actually, no, this is a good transition into Vic Country Quest because uh, Vic Country Quest is a tournament where it's probably like middle of the road-ish for how many skills teams get, but I feel like the main defining features of it are that there's, there's no skill tiers, uh, sorry, there's no team tiers. Mm. And there's also, like, all... You, you only have one budget. There's no separate budget for skills and for um, for players and rerolls. Yeah. So, when we think about what we've just talked about, what races are good at Vic Country Quest? Dwarves and <laughs> uh, orcs. Orcs were nerfed, uh, at least. Yeah, orcs are nerfed a little, um, but yeah, that and uh, lizards and just just the tier one teams that are uh, going to be able to, you know, sacrifice having their big guy, but instead have block on all of their other positionals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dwarves looking great. Um, I actually really like the new zones, but it's funny because they kind of get counted, mm. counted by the dwarves, but they're definitely, like, you know, it's... With Zons, you kind of just... It's the same when you have certain teams that really struggle against Zons. Like, you know, it's one team out of 30. You know, you're going to run into them sometimes. And that's just that's just how tournaments go. Um, mm. You can still play Zons even if there's a couple of dwarves in the tournament. They are really cost-effective and really good. Um, 
also like undead skaven underworld you can get a lot of skills and such on those teams I think those teams definitely could be really legit um, this time around there's also this is another thing to look out for is that sometimes there'll be like little tournament quirks um, this tournament basically you can get like a free movement up so rather than paying like 40k or like more skill points you just pay 20k for movement ups which is like the same as just a general skill which is pretty good for teams that really want movement ups um, what position is going to yeah. think of Geordie I'm trying to think um, movement ups really good on undead teams because uh, it it counters one of their huge issues um it's it's good to take a eight movement like werewolf yeah. and take it to nine yes um, oh yes yeah and like also just like you know elves elves getting free movement up yes i would like an ma9 war dancer yeah that's pretty cool. yeah yeah so um that's a definitely something to think about with this with this tournament pack um, and also you've got to think about the fact that this, this sort of emphasis towards 11 players um, now you can either try and just you know play 11 players maybe play orcs or, or dwarves or whatever because you know you're quite high armor or you can try and play a team that's going to counter that and is going to foul foul them quite quite hard um, and try and beat teams through attrition um, so something like undead are really good at that yeah yeah, yeah. Throwing a throwing a zombie with dirty player in the mix is is hot. Oh yeah, it sure is. So we've actually built some just basic rosters, kind of following following the rules we we're talking about before. They're not necessarily perfectly optimized, but they're a good example of like what you can do. I'll put these up in the show notes. Um, first up, undead. You want to run us through this undead team, Jordy? Uh, the second one you lit center. The, 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 yeah, yeah, the, first uh, one, yeah, the yeah. yeah, sorry, I was looking at the wrong list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Shambling Undead, um, you get your, your 12 players actually with the extra zombie lineman because you, you're starting with a zombie lineman with dirty player. Uh, you get your, your two mummies, your two blitzers, your three ghoul runners. Uh, your mummies, you put guard, uh, one of them you can. I'd put block, you've put block on him, yeah. but uh, you could also consider shifting the block to um, to a dodge on a, on something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, white blitzers, with, they start with block, so guard. Um, having one with tackle or frenzy is really good. Um, that, that goes back to the one guy with tackle that we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and having block on your ghoul runners also fits into the the budget um so having three seven movement guys with blodge is pretty huge uh with sure hands on one of the runners yeah um, and you only have two re-rolls on the roster yes yeah, so since we only have two re-rolls i kind of think sure hands gets a bit better i really am not a big sure hands fan but it has its uses it's definitely good against strip ball um so you know that's actually something we didn't really talk about much is strip ball yeah um, I think strip ball I got heavily nerfed this edition not a big fan I, yeah not a big fan either it's the wrestle's great <laughs> just take wrestle yeah no I, that's actually a really good point just take wrestle 
Um, because like if you take strip ball and they have one sure hands piece, they just counter you. And generally, sure hands is just a better skill. Um, so yeah, I really don't like strip ball. It definitely has its place. Um, it can be pretty good at like really low TV. I think it's pretty legit on like Woody's and the NAF rules. Definitely been thinking about that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's not what it used to be with the leap nerf. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, they're not just looking to push. Yeah, you know. yeah. I really think this roster is just a very classic sort of undead. You could also change the block to like a leader, um, but you kind of only like if you did change the leader, you'd probably just still only want two rerolls total, because you know undead and elves, they're not doing risky, crazy things. They don't want. Yeah to um, do that with the 50k rerolls they have 70k rerolls which is a massive massive cost um, yeah you could go down to to leader with one reroll yeah. and then I think you can afford another ghoul runner instead of a lineman yeah you can take like four yeah you could take a ghoul runner or you could take like four more normal skills yeah um, that's a good point yeah yeah, yeah this, this roster's kind of a bit cursed in that it's like 15k off the actual amount so I would probably try and optimize that um, if I was really thinking about it, but it kind of is just a really easy example of like a good solid roster. Like this roster would be good. Um, and 12 players is great because with Undead, you've got regeneration everywhere. You're not going to run out of players and you can foul the opposition good players too, for sure. Yeah, most of you guys are nine plus armor. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you've got dodge, yeah. Yeah, you want that. Uh, you want that freedom to stop. Yeah. So the other roster we've built is a Norse roster. Now Norse, I think, um, it's kind of a good example of what happens when you have all um, the one pool to make we purchase from, um, because basically positionals that are really expensive can kind of not be worth it. So mm. the Norse, I've just straight up no berserkers in this roster I don't think I bring berserkers to this tournament because generally since there's no restrictions on skill stacking um, just put all the skills you would have put on your berserker on your ulf and the ulf's just a better vessel for skills yeah yeah it, it seems it seems like weird to not pick a guy who has you know block but your linemen have block yeah so you're paying 90k for a guy who's uh, 70k worth lineman, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly right. Like, you're paying 40k over a lineman to get Frenzy and jump up, which isn't really worth it. Like, Frenzy's good, but it's not... And it can kind of get better spammed, but it's not really that good on a strength 3, agi 3 player with only 6 movement. Yeah. yeah. Um, I rate jump up super highly because of the, the free blocks you can get out of it. Yeah. But um, it's it's spooky when it's jump up and frenzy. Yeah, I I I played a lot of Norse, and I, don't get me wrong, I love berserkers, but I'm just like the piling on change really hurt Norse. Really makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, but yes, this this roster, other than that, you know, it takes your block and guard, um, which you, know, you want block on your elves and your and your yeti, and you want guard because guard's really important. And then and you want mighty blow yeah. on your Ulfonars and on your Yeti as well, because you yeah. plan on knocking them off the field. I might cut one mighty blow for a dirty player on alignment. Yeah, um, I think that might be correct. 
Mighty Blow is kind of tough. Like I said before, you don't really want to spam it that much. Um, but, you know, murdering teams off the pitch can definitely be a strategy. You know, you've got to play your, the, the race you picked strengths. And let's run it also strengths. Um, yeah. yeah. Something to think about also is that the Yetis are unchanneled fury. So even if you fail your your negatrate roll, then you've still you're still contributing with guard and block yes. because you don't lose your tackle zone. And it makes pro a little less good on the Yeti. I might still take pro yeah. just because I like trying to not let my Yeti ever get hit. Block is better if you're gonna just sort of jam a Yeti in there and just say, you know, try to kill him, good luck. Because the Yeti does only have A V nine plus. Um yeah. but you know I think this roster's pretty good. You know, you have two blodge players in the Valkyries. Valkyries just rock. They're awesome. I love Valkyries. Yeah, you put, yeah they're the new core to your team. Yeah. Like. You don't necessarily have to take two, but I think you can. Um, and leader on one and one reroll seems about right to me because leader's just, you took us, you know, you saved 40k. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Cause That's almost a whole nother line. Oh, it's so good. And yes, there is 12 linemen here. Um, which I think, yeah, I would probably put Dirty Player over one of those Mighty Blows because then you can foul a little bit. Um, yeah, so this is kind of an example of two examples of rosters. They're not by any means optimized, but they show you, like, I think you could bring either of these rosters to the tournament and they'd be pretty, pretty solid team. Especially, I really like the Undead one. It's pretty solid. You probably mess a little bit with it. Um, some people have different opinions on how many ghouls you should take. I haven't played that much of Dead, so I don't really know. But yeah. it just shows how taking the good basic skills makes good teams. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's taking the blocks and the guards is just the safest and best in most situations. Yeah. Mathematically. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just good for new players, I think, too. Um, definitely you can do some fun, weird builds. Like with, you know... With uh, Slan, you might you might take wrestle over block quite a bit, which I think is generally correct. But um, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, something that we didn't put in the notes that I would probably like to talk about on another week, but I'll bring up mm-hmm. now, is tournaments where you're allowed death zone inducements and ones that you're not allowed death zone inducements because there's a lot of really strong inducements that don't get considered yeah. a lot like uh like uh war drums um i have no idea what uh, any of these dwarven, do to be honest so. <laughs> dwarven runesmith um yeah D- dwarven runesmith is really good but um yeah the the warg drummer um is 50k uh and let me just quickly pull up the rules. i know some of the mercenaries are really cheap too yeah, the war drummer at the start of each drive after the kickoff event has been resolved, you roll 3d6 and for every 4 plus you get to pick a player on the enemy team and push them back one square towards their own end zone. What? Yeah, which means a lot of the time you can <laughs> screw up their blocks. <laughs> Wait, when, when's, this? when's this? Every turn? Uh, at, the, at the start of each drive after the kickoff event. Oh, okay. okay. Um, it's 50k and it's restricted to Badlands Brawl. Okay. Um, but it's a death zone inducement, so not all not all people allow it. Most won't, actually. But um, Eastern Cup might have some like death that zone are, stuff. 
I know Adrian's going to try and make cool mercenaries, but I don't think he's going to have actual just, you know, death zone go crazy. But it's good to look at Because if you're death zone go crazy, a lot of teams can change because you can throw, like, you can throw a bunch of Noblars and a giant on the field Mm. or something. Yes. Um, Yeah. If, if If your personal tournament is um just any rule printed is good to go then um yeah do do consider that zone yeah it's always good like you know while these rules kind of they're, they're general good guidelines um th- mm. there's always going to be exceptions especially based on tournaments just have different rules so yeah. and often you'll see you know tournament um, organizers will build rules they, they kind of want teams built in a specific way maybe like a specific flair like you know Gold Crush has heroes um, yeah so it's always good to look out for kind of what tournament material might be kind of hinting that you should build um, yeah and, and another thing is is uh, actual GW 2020 rules um, like Weather Mage um, mm. special plays cards are actually scary yeah. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a there's a lot of stuff in inducements that I'd like to get into next week. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we'll definitely have to do an inducements episode. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um. Yeah, we might we might do a bit of RBBL. Yeah, do a quick recap. RBBL. Week three. All right, I'm gonna smash through Div One's results. We had a tie between the Lost Anarchy Chargers and Bantha Pudu. Um, we had a win for the Reptilian Elite. This is the first loss of Moil of the Mountains ever. So, wow. yeah, big, big win for the Lizards there. Blood of the Innocent, the Vampires beat the Lawrence the Canaries. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we had True Blue Bloods, 1-2, lost to Myogas. That is a very funny old match. Um, some of you will have seen Joel's team did kind of evaporate. Um, what about Div yeah. 2, Jordy? Uh, if you could do this one as well. I'm a bit oh, okay. That's okay. Lost in the tabs right now. <laughs> <laughs> then we had uh, Adrian Stacey won 2 0 against Ash Loveday's Lizards. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, massive win. 4 um, 0. Oh, I forget. Cost so Lizardmen in yeah. like Chaos Dwarf. Yeah, Lizardmen. Yeah, that's pretty huge. Crazy. The Lizardmen are very funny. I feel like I see them, they either have really good or really bad games. Very, um, yeah, polar results. Um, we had a 1-1 tie between the Melnorn Bad Boys and Andrew Lay's Pink Peacocks. And then, big match. Gav beat Johnny's Undead. I think there was some very um, unlucky dice late for poor Johnny. He led most of the game, and then Gav pinched it right at the end. You know, yeah, you, you kind of tell that Gav wasn't running, rubbing it in that much. That uh, <laughs> I think there were a cheeky bit of nuffle um, in, yeah. in that game. We had a nil all tie for Michael. How many nil all ties has Michael had? Is that three in a row? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Oh, no, it isn't. No, it's just two in a row. Okay. No, no, no. That's okay. That's okay. There were touchdowns in this game this week. Mike was actually doing pretty good in that division, but it's just funny that <laughs> nil all ties are always just the most depressing games. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of SPP to go around. No. Uh, you tied with uh, Ants Orcs, which you know Vamps yep. hate Orcs. Not a good matchup, so I think you'd be yeah. That was happy that was that. a hard game. Yes, I, I, I almost had another touchdown uh, in the first half, which would have uh, really secured it. Mm. But uh, no, I, I did not. <laughs> we had um, Casey's Dark Elves. Inflicted six Kaz, so they won 3-1 against Porcelain. That is murderous. Absolutely murderous, Dark Elves. Uh, and then we had... Ooh, this is a big game. Tristan beat Joel 1-0 with High Elves versus Necro. Have you found mm. the tab yet? Geordie or should I read the last Div 2? Ah, uh, you've been reading them All well, right. so I'll let you do it. <laughs> we had a 2-0 win. Dark Elves for humans. This is Paul Mitchell versus... Andrew Armstrong, Paul Mitchell getting the chocolates there. Um, California Dreaming and the Bad Boys tied one all. What else was chaos? Um, mm. We had Football of the Living Dead, Necro go down 1 2 against Matt, Matthew Morgan's Highborn Hurricanes. Um, mm. Yeah, Necro versus High Elves is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's spicy. Yeah, yeah. That's um. I think that might be Michael's only loss too this season. And then we had a mm-hmm. one-all tie between James Miller's Zons and the Orcs of Ricardo Grande. So if we look at the, the standings, let's start uh, from the bottom that, this time. Note that or slightly more than half of uh, round four has also been yeah, played at this point. Really so. important standings. Uh, standings are going to be a little little wacky uh you can look at standings for 3a because 100 percent of the games for round four have gone through oh okay let's do that yeah div 3a we love you we love you (laughs) Div 3A. always getting the games done early so currently round now the bottom of the table ants orcs two draws two losses are we looking to improve in the second half of the season um, we have that Casey's th- draws better than a loss. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> Casey's Dark Elves got got a win, which is, they'll be very happy about. But the, it's been yeah. their only win: one win, three losses. Geordie, three draws <laughs> and, three a draws and a loss. Yeah, final, finally <laughs> got got put in my place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been telling everyone haven't lost a game. You know? Yeah, yeah, undefeated but, until now. Yeah, until now. Uh, we have the Slan, one win, one draw, two losses. And then top four, uh, we have on 202, we have Tristan's Necro. We have mm. Joel's High Owls, 2-1-1. So they got a first loss recently, which is pretty big. Then we have Michael, 2-2-0. Two, two so, you know, I can give him trouble about nil draws, but it's still an undefeated record, so... Pretty nice start there. Especially for Chaos. Mm-hmm. Early Chaos, you're pretty happy with that. Um, and then Kane on 3 1 0. The Chorfs yeah, are smashing it at the minute. Yeah, I think I think we should mention uh, Michael's team value is uh, 13 10, uh, which is almost the highest in the, in the, the division with uh, weirdly Ooh, Swan got block being on 13 all 40. Chaos Warriors. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm afraid of the Slan team because it's uh, thirteen forty Slan. Oh, they are. Hello. Yeah, they get very bloaty, old Slan. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, big fat froggies. Yeah, I've actually got a Croxy, which I really like. Love the Croxy. Four catches, mm. two have, have dodge, um, a blitzer with guard, a wrestle lineman, and two random linemen who are pretty handy too. Fan lineman, tackle lineman. Pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, Div Div three A has been interesting. I guess we can probably bring up here. Um, playoffs are th- what three rounds away. Um, it'll be top four and bottom four are going to play off. Mm. Um, I'm going to have to figure out how it works. Uh, tour play, tour play limitations kill me. <laughs> In an ideal <laughs> yeah. world, I'd probably let teams just re-roll and play. Um, instead of playing their playoff games with like this season's team, they could just play it with a fresh team for next season if they wanted to, like if they were going to re-roll. But the problem is that yeah. you'll that will count like as an extra season against your redraft. So doing that is kind of problematic. Um, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, you you can I believe go into each player and change the number of seasons they've played can you actually to do zero. That? Yes, but it's but you'd have to do that after they've hit redraft, but before they've actually repurchased any of the players. I don't think I. Oh, you can. Oh, oh. But that's a lot of. Uh, no, no, of that's admin. easy though. That's easy though. It's all within tour right, play. Yeah. Oh, Jordy, you've just made it so that that's actually going to be able to happen. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's a good plan. I think I. I might limit it only to the bottom four, like of each division, you can do that. But yes, yep. teams will yep. definitely be able to play some games towards next season. You'll just be up against potentially experienced teams. Um, you know, you might be lucky and your opponent might also be re-rolling. But I really like... I don't like playoffs where certain teams get to sit out and it's like a... Um, you know, and it's three-week rounds. It's too long of not playing Blood Bowl. It's not very fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You yeah, need to play more Blood Bowl. That's, yes. the, that's the rules here. Yes. No, I will not allow less Blood Bowl to happen in this league. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes. Oh, I cannot believe that. That has so many decisions. I, I, they must have had that relatively recently, or if I've never no, seen no, no, that. No, no, that was actually that was actually one of the the, the, the first things. No, don't uh, tell me that. that they had. Don't, there's some decisions I've made that are like based off the fact that that sort of thing wouldn't work. <laughs> I'm so sorry about it. No, oh, uh, yeah. it's kind of good. But yeah, Port- Portal of Power, uh, the one that um, that I believe uh, uh, was, t- yeah, that was 2020. Wait, that means I can I just get around all the redraft rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did I not know this? I really want to keep the redraft rules consistent for a while, but. They keep adding me new powers slowly, or I keep just realizing <laughs> they exist slowly. Look, no, keep them consistent. I like the way they no, are. No, I think I'm just... going to keep them consistent for at least yep. a while. I really like the um. What won't change is I I hate the fact that teams get different redraft based on how that performance went. When it just makes the winners win even more. Why GW? They definitely will pretty what? much always be fixed. Star players are so good. Though. There definitely be always like fixed um, redraft caps rather than, you know, based on how many touchdowns and wins you got. So, yes. Oh, that's so good. Okay, so yes. So the, the way playoffs would probably work is probably just, yeah, first v fourth, second v third, and then 
teams can re-roll if they like and play two games towards their next season. That's kind of your preseason. Um, mm. So yeah, oh, I can't believe that. I have to check it works. Yeah, we should definitely talk about honors as well. While I marvel it, <laughs> I can't believe that. It's so funny. All right. Oh Jesus! You're still at the top of the most experienced by almost by yeah. Is it eighty SPP? No, seventy three or something. I always kind of redraft back really well, just in yeah. general. Yeah, you're only keeping five or six players. Yeah, so it's, you just have to cycle it's over. Not a huge tax. Um, yes. That's spicy. Let's start <laughs> then with yeah. We may as well do most experienced. My ogres are a bit ahead. Yep. Two ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, two ninety eight to uh, Lauren City Canaries with two nineteen, which yes. is a Wood Elf team. And uh, then Chaos Chosen, Bantha Pudu at 151. Uh, draw with John Moth, Moss on uh, True Blood, True Blue Bloods at 151 as well. And then Moil of the Mountains, who finally had their first loss this week. Well, last week. Um, yeah, with 138. Moil of the Mountains are by far the youngest team there too. Yeah, for sure. They've been doing really, really well. They have been. They have been. Uh, best performance, which is TD plus CAS plus completions plus interceptions plus injuries plus deaths plus fouls. They kind of just add everything up. It's not really the best statistic to a play, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit... We, it's a bit just how much did you do? <laughs> yeah, we might ignore that one. It's a bit weird. Um, but most TDs... Now, Johnny definitely has two extra games... See how many TDs that actually got him, because I know his team's been doing awesome anyway. Um, okay, I got him four extra TDs, so he's still be on the second row. Okay, so first is actually shared between Football of the Living Dead, great name by the way, and Adrian Stacey's Chaos Matrix. That's our Michael Pierre. Oh, butchered a name, but that's you know. That's what we do here. Um, yeah. <laughs> eight touchdowns each. Then we have Johnny um, and his undead. We have Blood of the Innocent, so Dad's um, vampires, and the Reptilian Elite all on seven TDs each. Some of these teams have played one more game than other teams, but, you know, we do the best we can. How about best defense? Best defense. Um, that one is... Uh, how many conceded touchdowns, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Blood Marsh Breakers has only conceded a single touchdown, which is equal with uh, Pit Slave Steelers, which also. So uh, Blood Marsh Breakers, Chaos Chosen by Michael Bertrand. Uh, let's just butcher. Neil uh, all, all the names. Yep. Uh, and uh, Chaos Dwarves with uh, Kane Tucker. Uh, just. How, how do you only lose one touchdown? Yeah, these teams have been doing awesome. They're both the top two teams in the division. They finally play in... Was that round six? Or have they already played? No, they already played and they tied. That's right. They tied nil all. Zero all. Yeah. <laughs> of course they Yeah, did. that's it. <laughs> the teams are just like, best nope, defense. we will not allow TDs. <laughs> the best defense is the best defense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
But that is, like, very impressive through four games for both of them. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then there's Gavin, who's just one TD behind with two two conceded touchdowns uh, yeah. on his Brass Citadel Berserkers. Johnny's on technically court. only two as well. Gave up one in the preseason, so good work, Johnny. Oh. Mm, good work, Johnny. Both of them were oh. to Gavin. Depressingly. <laughs> Brutal. And uh, then you with three. Go the Snotlings. I've only played snackers. three games, though, so we'll see how that goes. Um, casualties. Good work, boys. 15. <laughs> Johnny's got a couple extra. I think he's about this much, though. I think he's probably second mm. anyway. Um, I can't be bothered looking it up. He's got 15. He's played a few extra games, though. Sunset Sirens, yep. 11 Kaz. <laughs> Casey's Dark Elves, 10. That poor slam yeah, team. And then, ooh, Luke's team's fighting back. They actually played, I believe, the Woodies last night. Um, ooh, yeah. So they've been, like, most injured for a while. Um, but they're fighting back up to 10 Kaz now. Luke will be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very happy sure. with that. Finally fighting back. Most injured, Geordie. Yep, most injured. Um, that's 11 for California Dreaming and Scott Gale, Wood Elves. Was that all in that game against Luke Adrian? No, no, he's a different um, division. Different division, He's yeah, getting yep. beaten up by some uh, other teams. Other Wood Elves. But yeah, 11, 11 is a, a lot, it even is. for a Wood Elf team. Uh, so I hope they're, they're all badly hurts and not... Uh, not too bad for the the roster um and then nine with uh joel and me both on vampires uh both equal um that's just a case of vampires i think Mm. i think we've we've killed plenty of linemen there's actually a more common theme amongst these teams actually three of them are the teams i've played this round this this season (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Just a little humble brag for you all. <laughs> oh no! Uh, and then uh, Chaos Renegades uh, with Luke Adrian has eight as well, and the other Woodolf team uh, with Charles has eight. Uh, so it's a lot of injuries. Yeah. I think everyone's roster is looking pretty okay though. So yeah, yeah. Um, Most of these teams yeah. are really just like teams that get beat up anyway. Yeah. Wood Elves and Vamps. Um, most deadly. Four murders. Bit of femme, femme fatales over there at the Sunset Sirens. Um, then three murders by uh, Daniel's Lizards. And then we've got a few D- murders. Question, does this, does this count um, murders that happened and then regeneration kicked in? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I believe I had two deaths that regeneration regened. Just cheating so. death. Good old vamps. <laughs> so someone deserves an extra two points on this list. Yeah. Um, most completions. Oh, most completions. I'll, I'll do this high elves. Not. It's the uh, <laughs> high elves number one with a stupid anonymous thrower. I think Joel might have been naming his players now. Actually. Yeah. Let's check. Let's check. He's named a couple, but they also seem like auto-generated names. But they're also positionals that have been there for a while. So I don't know. To be honest, it, yeah, should, it should name every player but the anonymous thrower. So <laughs> yeah, just just yeah, it's now too much. Uh, yeah, notably, yeah. one of the one of the 
successful passes is on a lineman. So he's got eight on the one thrower and one lineman. Go, go lineman. Completion yeah, as well. Good work, yeah. mate. Um, so, you know, Hyle's leading that. Not too much of a surprise there. Humans in second, six passes. Equal with Amazon's six passes. Oh, they only pass on threes, right? The new Amazon throwers. I believe so, yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, weirdly, Dark Elves, uh, not a lot of dump off being used, or does that not count as a complete? That should count if it did, if it did work. I think people actually, uh, online in the vamps, have been throwing a lot of three-up passes. I think just throwing greedy three-up passes is definitely not a bad idea. Oh, yeah, when you have sure. them on throwers. Um, uh, pink Peacocks have five completions and Dark Elves of Palmyra have four. Um, yeah, that's about it. I, I just noticed that I'm the only stunty team currently, so... <laughs> yeah. We kind yeah, of that, that will change that. next, next uh, season, don't you worry. Yeah, I'm thinking definitely might be Goblins. I should probably stop playing my silly Broken Ogres. Um, even though they are a lot of fun. I, ha- <laughs> I need someone else to play Ogres next season because Geordie's playing them in the MBBL, so you know, I can't, can't make him play them. But yeah, yeah. They have been I was tempted. quite a lot. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Pro, pro is just great. Pro's it's nuts. Great you can take two bombers. Yeah. What else do you want? You also just, like, make massive star players that you know are pretty easy to buy back every season because there's only a couple of them and they're also like not too OP like sometimes they just do nothing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah they have a massive elf weakness but yes um yeah that's about it for this week um other things I'd like to talk about just uh put up a post yesterday in the Facebook group just talking about like other creative stuff that we could get going for the league. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely interested in trying to, like, the more creative content we can have in terms of recaps. Um, I'm definitely thinking about maybe I might move. I kind of don't really want to move on Facebook, but Facebook is kind of annoying sometimes. Like, it's really bad for if you have people making, like, blood ball content. It's just impossible to find things in Facebook's stupid feed way. Um, yeah. Compared to like Discord or like a website, um, but you know, we'll see where that goes. I really think it'd be fun, especially as the league gets a bit older. I think I'm gonna, I might make a Hall of Fame. I still, there's still access to like all the old seasons, um, so definitely can find some some good fun players. Um, and also, like the other fun thing about a Hall of Fame is, is that you could definitely thinking about adding like a best player award for seasons and then potentially mm. having them available as one of the only mercs you can take but that's still things I have planned for later just some you know some fun things you can do at a local league level um, yeah for sure um, I I am very keen on uh, doing little write-ups of specific plays yeah um, and, and stuff like that and posting them somewhere but yeah, with Facebook the way it is, it's it's, it's impossible. It's but, but you can have your own little channel in Discord that people yeah. can get little notifications for and check when they'd like to. It, it might be something I do, like, 
after the season. Well, it would be something I do like not in the middle of the season for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. I'm definitely thinking about that because I just think it makes such a better league. Um, having a bit of content like that, I definitely yeah. If I making like a hall of fame and having like write ups for like um, players, I do have something in the in the pipeline for Rachel, um, which is pretty fun. Rachel have actually never missed a game of the Snotling Snackers <laughs> 35 game history so that's it's going to be really fun to write that up there's some very funny moments and some like moments that I think it'd be great to ask some coaches because you know sometimes you have things that don't really show up in the stats that happen the best game I ever had with this team was a nil all tie against Rats three seasons ago which I still remember quite well because it was just hilarious like it was just one of those classic games um mm. So yeah, I think uh, like a Hall of Fame, that sort of thing could be really fun, fun to add. Um, and you know, there's other star players that are emerging, especially as teams start to get older. Um, so yeah, definitely let me know if you're interested as well in painting a trophy, If you, especially if you're a pretty good painter. I will pay for all supplies, so. Ooh, spicy. Yes. I would like some Ooh. cool trophies. We're definitely getting... J- Johnny's obviously done the, the top division one. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I should stop blabbering so we can end this episode. Yeah, before we go, though, uh, sevens? Oh, that's true. I have Jumping been thinking about sevens. Um, personally, I'm not the biggest sevens fan, but I know I people it. do like it. Um, it's so silly. It's, it is very silly. Um, yeah, no, I... I'm definitely looking for some sevens, and and yeah, the we'll, other we'll good keep thing about sevens is you can play like multiple games a night. So yeah, you, you can reasonably get a game done under an hour easy. Mm. So you can so you can do you know three games, uh, show up at seven, play three games, leave by ten, ten thirty. I'll definitely be putting out some surveys come end of season. Like, do we want to have um, like even once a month even once every two months like a sevens night and just play three games of sevens um yeah because that would be that'd be great that'd be so much fun um so yeah also yeah, I think we should sign off and yeah. <laughs> run away yeah yeah uh thanks all for listening um yeah we'll make sure we get a, a guest for next week no one extra join us this week but you know that's just how it happens sometimes yeah, thanks for joining me, Geordie. No worries, thanks for having me, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, thank. See you later. Well, next, uh, next. Yeah, well, whenever next we record, round. could be. <laughs> next who, knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? All right, catch yeah. you all. Catch. <laughs>